0: Energy. So this guy in the fantasy baseball chat is just ripping me. He's calling me names for how I handled my team. Buddy, you had 20 weeks for your own team to play better. Don't be mad at me. The passion. Matt Jones is fighting not just for his Patriots job, but he very well may be fighting for his NFL future. The opinions on all your favorite teams. For the Red Sox, it can't always be about next year. It can't always be about down the road. Where's the team that battles for now? This is the Brady Parker Show on WDEBAM AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. What's up, everybody? A very... Happy Tuesday here on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV, am and FM, and WDEVRadio.com. Weird week for us. So short show today. We're on for 40 minutes until Red Sox Baseball. 610 tonight pregame show, 710 first pitch. Tomorrow and Thursday, we are off for Red Sox Baseball. Off completely. Not like, oh, uh, we might get on. No, no, we're not on at all tomorrow. So, or Thursday. So we got Red Sox Baseball coming up. Uh, today, we got it tomorrow, we got it Thursday, we will not see you again until Friday. So we got a lot to get to over the next 40 minutes here. Chris Price is going to join us, the host of the Patriots Report podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He does that alongside former Pats wide receiver Chris Hogan. You can check them out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So Chris Price will be with us here again in about 15 minutes. You can get in on the text line, 802-585-3026. It's 802 585 Thirty twenty-six. I'm here. Danny's here. You're here. Danny, let go.
1: Five, four, three, two, one. And here
0: we go. The opening thoughts on the Brittany Farkas show are brought to you by Six and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center, with location to Ninesburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Rouse's Point, New York. They're also at Swanton Lumber, and they're online at Six and Stuff. Dot com. So, Danny, the report came out earlier today from Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. Mac Jones is not going to be suspended for the alleged low blow against Sauce Gardner. I, look, I, I, I got on Mac's case for this yesterday. I still think Mac did it. I still think it was intentional. It's not a suspendable offense. Okay, Mac Jones should not be suspended. He's not a guy who has a reputation league-wise, right? He hasn't been disciplined by the league multiple times in his career for things. He may have a reputation amongst players, but he's not a guy who's been suspended by the league for things. He's not working on a third strike, something like that. I do think it was intentional. I do think it was dirty. I get why Sauce Gardner is upset. It's not a suspendable play. So let's let's you can all just miss me with that narrative. I do think it's a fine. I do think it should go on Mac's record. And I understand why it contributes to people around the league not necessarily liking Mac. And, Danny, if I am Matthew Slater, I am pulling Mac Jones aside and I'm having a conversation, okay? Now, the reason why I'm choosing Matthew Slater is because he's the most respected guy in this locker room. He's the elder statesman of the locker room. He's a fellow captain alongside Mac Jones, and he is the guy that everyone will listen to. I'm not saying Mac wouldn't listen to other people. I don't want to paint it that way. But when you have a sports team – Okay, you have captains. The captains are generally seen as the guys who can communicate with each other and with the head coach. So the captains are the guys that can go to Belichick, that can go to coordinators, and the captains are the ones who are on an even playing field with each other. So Matthew Sl- Mac Jones is a captain. I want Matthew Slater to be the guy to have a conversation with him. And what I want that conversation to be centered on is, look, Mac, I know your heart is in the right place as far as this team goes. It's very, very evident that Mac Jones cares. As much as I dislike certain things about his game or even his personality at times, it's very, very evident that Mac Jones cares. So if Matthew Slater pulls up inside and says, Mac, I know your heart's in the right place when it comes to this team. I know on game day you are doing everything you can to help us win games. But you've also got to make it so that what we're talking about is the game only. This is a distraction. And I don't care if it's a distraction for five days leading up to the game or five minutes. Anything that takes the Patriots away from game prep for Dallas or takes their attention away from game prep for Dallas is a distraction, and it's something that's not necessary. It's that simple as far as I'm concerned. right? Mac Jones talked about wanting guys to work harder, wanting guys to work more, wanting guys to be in the building. Well, if Mac Jones' energy now has to go to the question of, are you a dirty player? Or what's your reputation? Or did you intentionally do it? Or why'd you do this to Sauce Gardner? And do you care what people think about you? If he's got to enter into those conversations, which he does, and if the team has to go and say, stand at their locker and say, hey, what do you think of Mac? Hey, Sauce said this. What's been your impression of Mac? Do you think Mac's a good teammate? Is Mac a good guy? You played against Mac in the past. What would you think of him then? If those conversations have to happen, they're distractions, and that's not what this team needs. It's that simple. right? Mac talked last week about wanting his team doing more and working harder. Well, if you want 100% focus on the task at hand, don't give us all a reason to, to take away the focus. And the spotlight is now on something that's unnecessary. I think Mac Jones made a mistake, but I think it was a conscious choice. I think what Mac Jones did to Sauce Gardner was intentional, and I think it was dirty, and I think there's no place for it in society, nevertheless, on a football field, or on a football field and nevertheless in society. And I think Matthew Slater needs to pull him inside again and say, Mac, I think you're doing a lot of the right things. I like a lot of what you stand for. This, though, this is not what this team needs. Okay, This team needs ultimate focus. This team needs to key in on its preparation. This team needs to be all in on looking at the Dallas Cowboys in week four in another game that can help save your season. You lose this game when you're one and you're 1-3, and you're really fighting uphill battle. You get to 2-2, two and two, well, all of a sudden we're talking about you a lot more confidently and a lot more optimistically. And right now, yet here on Tuesday, we're not really talking about the game because we're too busy talking about Mac, and everyone's talking about Mac. WEEI yesterday is asking Mac about this play, is asking him about his reputation. I got Skip Bayless on Undisputed on FS1 talking about Mac Jones and Sauce Garter. No one's talking about the Patriots on the field. No one's talking about the Patriots in terms of game day. No one's talking about the Patriots against Dallas. They're all talking about this. This is a distraction, and it's a distraction that this team doesn't need. And it's something that Mac Jones doesn't need. For as much as Mac Jones talks to talk about wanting to be a good leader, and for as much as Mac talks to talk about wanting to have a good head on his shoulders, we've seen too many times where he gets emotional and a little bit petulant, okay, and what he did was petulant on Sunday. Okay, he gets tackled, he fights forward, he gets slammed to the ground, I get him being upset, but for him to go in and tap Sauce Gardner below the belt, there's no need for that. And then, Danny, Mac was asked about it yesterday, on W-E-E-I in boston here's what he was here's what he said um, i mean not really i just like i said i just try to focus on what i can control i um, mean that's coming to work every and working hard uh just try and be you know as hard, work as hard as i can and do the best i can that's that's all you can ask for so would you say that if there was a reputation maybe building around you that it's wrong that it's sort of incorrect um like i said i, I can't control that stuff um i try to you know be really competitive and Um, go out there and and be a good teammate and compete
1: um, and come to work every day and and work hard and um, put a lot of hours into it. So I I definitely care about football a lot, Um, and this game means a lot to me, and it means a lot to a lot of other guys
0: that I play with. So I hope that they can see that. It's good that you care. It's People can see that you work hard. People can see it matters to you. That's true. And maybe that is your reputation in the building. But the reputation out of the building Is not that. Those guys don't see your work ethic. Those guys don't, don't know how much it means to you. Don't know how much time you put in. What they see is the Mac Jones who allegedly pulled the ankle of Brian Burns in Carolina. What they see is what happened with Sauce Gardner. What they, what they hear about is what their teammates, what their teammates tell them. What other guys in the league tell them. What they see and what they see is Mac Jones popping off at his coaching staff or whining on the sideline. That's what they see. They hear the clips about Mac not getting along with Zappi and not helping the young guy in, in, in preseason and talking down to him, right? That's what they hear. So maybe in the building guys can see how much football means to you, but outside of the building they can't. Mac Jones does have a reputation, and I don't need my quarterback having a reputation, Right. Other guys have worse reputations. Antonio Brown has a worse reputation. Montez Perfect had a worse reputation. Mac Jones doesn't have the worst reputation in NFL history. He's not the only guy that's been looked at this way. But Mac Jones has looked at this way. And I don't want my guys looked at like that. I don't. So if I'm Matthew Slater, who, again, is to me the most influential person in that office, if he is... Or in that uh, in that locker room, I should say. I just saw a promo for The Office on the television in the station. It got me all distracted. Okay, if he is the most influential person in that locker room, maybe he's the guy that can get through to Mac and say, "Look, we've got to channel all of our energy into football. We can't have the side stuff. Okay, we can't. You've talked about what you've preached, wanting to be all in and be focused. Don't give us all a reason to have to talk about something else. And that's what Mac Jones has done." Phil in Middlesex says, Brady, I saw nothing. I saw it in slow motion. I saw a close-up. I didn't see it. I can't tell you for sure, Phil, that we saw absolute contact made between the groin area of Sauce Gardner and Mac Jones's hand. The, the video that I see, the video that Danny examined yesterday, to me it looks fairly definitive that Mac Jones did something, right? Sauce Gardner even said, Mack gets up on the ground or stands up like he wants Sauce Gardner to help him up. Sauce won't help him. Mack gets up on his own, still has his hand out, and then kind of puts his hand into the groin area of Sauce Gardner. And then Sauce Gardner reacts by throwing Mack to the ground. Right? You don't just throw somebody to the ground for absolutely no reason once the play is over. And Sauce Gardner, he didn't say... Max said something to me, right? We've heard that before, where guy gets provoked by something that's, that that gets said. Sauce Gardner didn't say Max said something to me. He said Mac Jones hit me below the belt. That's what it looked like to me. And given max' history, I think I think he did it. I gave him the benefit of the doubt a couple of years ago with the Brian Burns thing. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt this time. I'm just not. So we'll, we'll we'll talk to Chris Price about it in a second because Danny's got him on the phone line let's go out to the phone line and bring on chris price longtime writer he's been at weei he's been at the boston globe he's been at the boston sports journal now he hosts the patriots report podcast over on the believe podcast network he does that with chris hogan chris hogan the former patriots wide receiver i don't know if you heard anywhere but chris hogan used to play lacrosse they do a great job together chris price on the phone line now chris thank you for being with us good to catch up again how are you
1: I'm doing well, Brady. How you been, man?
0: I've been very, very well. Appreciate you joining us. As a seasoned, hard sports news reporter, how grateful are you that no Patriots players are dating Taylor Swift this week?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I've been through that. I, I, this is my 19th season covering the Patriots. So I, I was on the Bridget Moynihan beat. I was on the Giselle Buncheon beat. <laughs> True. You know, I, I, I got a little taste of that. But it's never—I don't think we've we've ever approached Taylor Swift's, you know, status. So yeah, I, I'm happy to let my colleague in Kansas City handle this. One. Uh,
0: let's talk about the Pats who are one and two. But before we get to some of the more Uh, pressing on-field stuff. What do you make of the Mac Jones and Sauce Gardner thing? I defended Mac a couple of years ago with the Brian Burns ankle twisting in Carolina. I'm not really defending this. I do think Mac did something to Sauce Gardner. I do look down upon Mac for it. What, What do you see?
1: Yeah. Well, I think first of all, it's tough to, you know, unless you're going all the Pruder film on it, I I think it's tough to see anything definitive there. And so we kind of have to take Sauce Gardner's word for it. And we have to take Mac Jones's word for it. And maybe, you know, one or two of the guys who are on the field, I I think it's become because it is Patriots jets. I think it's been a little bit overblown, but I I do think there is a little something to the idea that Mac may be losing the benefit of the doubt when it comes to situations like this, because, if you have one, there's an isolated incident, like the Brian Burns thing, you know, you can kind of push it away. But, you know, there have there, been multiple things now over the last couple of years. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, Mac deserves to be suspended or anything like that. But when it comes to incidents like this, there, you know, there's a developing pattern. And, and I think it's something that he needs to be mindful of in the eyes of, you know, the league as well as other players around the league. I saw a couple of players tweeting about it and kind of you know, chiming in on on (laughs) their thoughts about the situation. So I think ultimately I'm not a huge fan of it, and I think it's something that Mac needs to kind of keep an eye on moving forward when it comes to behavior like this. But as far as an isolated incident, I I don't really think too much of it.
0: You know, we have this stuff that's on-field reputation. Off the field, we saw the way Mac was last year, demonstrative on the sideline, demonstrative towards coaches. Now we got last week after Miami, was he or was he not calling out his teammates for not working hard enough? Just overall, what is your impression of Mac and kind of the way he is, his demeanor as he tries to, to really grow into a leadership position?
1: I think he's continuing to grow into that leadership position. And and I think that, you know, I'll I'll give him until the end of this year, really, when it comes to his overall evolution. One of the smartest guys I ever covered, Anthony Pleasant, a long, long time ago said, you are who you are when you reach, you know, the end of your third year in the league. Mm -hmm. You know, you're fully formed, you're fully developed. You know, you're going to be a star, a complimentary player, uh, you know, a practice squad guy, whatever the case may be. So I, I think when you look at it through that lens, you're looking at a guy who is continuing to evolve both on the field in his play and, you know, as a leader and kind of everything that goes along with the game. So I think he's moving in the right direction. I know the guys in the locker room like him, trust him, want him to be the quarterback. And I think really that's all you can ask for at the end of the day. But he's at the very least, I mean, you know, Sunday's incident aside, I I think he's trending in the right direction, and I think he's getting to where he needs to be. He's not there yet, but he's still kind of a work in progress in that regard.
0: You know, I always try to ask my questions short and succinctly. This one I might have to talk myself through so I make sure I ask it right. But I was listening to Burt Breer the other day on NBC Sports Boston, and he was talking about Mac and Mac's desire to have people work hard. And he said, you know, this is what Mac did at Alabama, and he could call guys together and they would all work hard, they'd all work extra. And I think to myself, that's great, that's what Mac is accustomed to, I can understand the sentiment. But that's also college, where guys have time to be outside of school more dedicated to just football. This is the pros, where guys have charity work and guys have family life and guys have things they have to get home to. You have been around the pros much longer than I have. What is the professional level of really hard work and dedication? Because it's probably not logical for everybody to be in there 24 hours a day like Mac wants.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point. And, and I think you, you also, you know, set out a really good point. There's a differentiation between college and pro. And I guess for me, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that this is a business now. And if you want to flourish in your business, I don't care if you're a football player or a sports writer or a banker or whatever the case may be, you have to put some extra time in. You know, you have to go above and beyond sometimes. And I, and I think that that's what we see in this locker room. Look, this is my experience. This is a good locker room and i think that there are guys who want to succeed and want to work hard within the the, the framework of the team uh, whether it's offense defense or special team and i think with guys like Bentley guys like Slater guys who've been around for an awfully long time guys like Joe Cardona you know they they recognize the value of sacrifice when it comes to the football season i'm not talking about you know showing up to work out and I don't know, April or whatever the case may be, or OTAs, but, but the value of the in-season work. And I think this roster recognizes that. I think that there's always going to be, look, you're never going to get all 53, what are you, 63 guys, including the practice squad on the same page all the time. There's always going to be off-field things that you have to deal with. You know, we talked to Devin on this a couple of days, you know, last week because it's the birth to baby, but I think overall, This team is committed. This roster is committed. You know, it doesn't always show up in execution. It doesn't always show up with wins and losses. But I think this roster is closer to a group that is really fully bought in as opposed to going in, you know, 53 different directions.
0: We're talking with Chris Price here at the Patriots Report Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network alongside Chris Hogan. He's here with us on the Brady Farkas show. You know – Ramondre Stevenson hasn't really gotten going yet. And I think this is the guy who people point to as the Patriots' best and most valuable offensive player. I think first two weeks you can blame it on the fact, okay, they're down, they're not able to run it that much, they're trying to throw it all the time, the offensive line. But week three, Zeke really ran it well, five yards a carry. Ramondre Stevenson's not there yet. What are you seeing out of Ramondre Stevenson? Because this is a guy they do need to get going.
1: Yeah, that's a great point too. And and look, I wrote it a couple of times before the start of the season. Bill Belichick has never had a guy rush for a thousand yards in back to back seasons, going mm. all the way back to Cleveland. And Ramondre wow. obviously hit the thousand yard mark last year, but look, you know, if he keeps on this base he's not gonna do it. The streak is still gonna be alive. So I I he doesn't to me I, I think there's a couple of things at play here, Brady, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the situational football aspect of it, the first two games, you're down by double digits in the third and fourth quarter. You're not really going to run the ball. That's why Mac had to throw the ball 50-plus times. Uh, and, and I think that figures into it. I think the offensive line figures into it as well. You know, the offensive line is banged up and healthy. They're, they're not where they want to be, at least physically. I, I also, too, I, I went and looked at the yards after contact numbers for him, and they're down a little bit. You know, this is a guy, a big, sturdy guy. You know, Ramondre is running at a between the tackles type who can really get those tough yards and he hasn't been able to do it this year you know even at the started games and so I I don't know maybe the illness that he had the first week that kind of set him back a little bit more than he initially anticipated but yeah I I think that that he's been inconsistent I think he's been uneven through the first three games and when he's running right he's one of the best young backs in the league but we haven't seen him at full you know full strength quite yet for a number of reasons And, and I think he's one of those guys you look at the offense and there's a couple of guys like him and Juju who I still think need to get unlocked if this offense is going to, you know, really get rolled in here as, as October approaches.
0: I was gonna ask you about Juju. This is a guy who's making the same money as Jacoby Myers is making in Vegas, although I think there's some different structures and guarantees, et cetera, but the base contract looks the same. I would have rather had Jacoby Myers. They do need to get Juju going. How do they do that? Because he's not even on the field as much as I would have expected so far, Chris.
1: Yeah, I think the knee has been more of an issue than they maybe initially anticipated. I also think, too, and this is part of the case with Ramondre. Bill loves to ride the hot hand, whoever that may be in that moment. And look, we've seen it over the years with at the running back position where we'll see you guys get five carries for nine yards one week and 15 carries for 95 yards the next week. And so it, it's just a matter of who is doing well, who has the momentum moving forward. And I think that's part of it. With Juju, look, you know, to their credit, to his credit specifically, Juju has said all of the right things. He's completely bought in. I think he enjoys playing here. You know, you see him in the locker room with Bourne and Devontae Parker and Mac, and he's part of the roster. He's done well to kind of uh, assimilate to the New England philosophy and the New England approach to things It just hasn't come together for him for whatever reason to this point in his, his career in New England.
0: You know, count me in the soft millennial group if you have to. But if I were Pop Douglas, I would now be playing scared and playing fearful, and that's not a real way for at least Brady Farkas to play and succeed. He gets shelved in week two for the fumble against Miami. He gets taken out after kind of the cumbersome punt uh, fair catch on, uh, on, on Sunday against the Jets. Now he's been been shelved twice for things. I'd be playing very, very scared. Is I don't know how he's wired, but I didn't love what Belichick has done to this kid so far.
1: I don't think he's played scared. I, I had a chance to talk with him real briefly after the game on Sunday, and there was a level of relief, maybe, that he was able to go back out there. He was able to make a catch, and look, honestly, that you know there was a he should have you know been able to get the flag on a pass interference call there late in the game too. And, and so I think it's a process of baby steps back for him, and I think he's done well so far. But look you know it it was a rough day it was a rough day weather-wise and and, you know you're going to have those days I think it was big for him to be able to get back on the field on a day where ball security could have been an issue because of the elements. To be able to have a clean sheet across the board there were there were no giveaways you know ball security for him was not an issue on Sunday it was funny I talked to him afterwards. he was that was one of the first things he said was working on ball security all week and that was (laughs) really really important so He's, he's self-aware enough to understand what's going on. And, and I think he's at it, at least I think, you know, knowing him uh, the little that I do, I think he's headed in the right direction.
0: Chris, I'll get you out of here on this. Dallas is, you know, the Patriots are going to Dallas in week four. Dallas took it on the chin against Arizona. How do I, how do I view this now? Dallas is weak and vulnerable and there's things there the Patriots can exploit or Dallas is, has been given the wake-up call and they're extra locked in and the Patriots are catching them at a bad time?
1: A little bit more of the former than the latter. I, I will say that. I think this is a Dallas team that it was a little bit thrown off its axis, uh, after what happened to Diggs. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, the, the Cardinals team, I think has been, you know, really surprised a lot of people over the first three weeks. So I think maybe they're, you know, they were looking past the Cardinals a little bit. I think New England is going to be competitive with them. I, I also think too, it's important to note that this is going to be the first game for New England. It's not really a weather game. You know, they're going to be indoors. There's not going to be a problem with rain or whatever the case may be. I, I think they're going to play pretty well. I don't know if I would go as far to predict the goal win, but I think this game has the potential to be really competitive and that the Patriots have a chance to get to 2-2. Two and two.
0: Well, we can all hope for that. That's for sure. 500 would be a whole hell of a lot better than 1-3. Chris Price is going to be breaking it down all week long over at the Believe Podcast Network with the Patriot Report alongside Chris Hogan. Chris, man, we appreciate you, and we will catch up down the road.
1: Love it. Take care, bud. We'll talk soon.
0: Absolutely, we will. Chris Price, one of the best. Chris Price, again, formerly of the Boston Globe, Boston Sports Journal. He's been at WEI and now over at the Believe Podcast Network, where he does a very good podcast. Last year he hosted it with our buddy LeGarrette Blunt, friend of the show, this year with Chris Hogan. I hosted it a couple years ago with Doug Valuti, So That tells you how far that show has gone, that Chris has taken it over. Now he does a great job. With it, I always love getting him on. Uh, I still disagree with the Pop Douglas thing. You know, I, yeah, he might be self-aware as to what's going on. I'm self-aware as to what's going on. Like, you know when you're being phased out, right? Like, you know when you're being phased out of a relationship. You can feel when you're being phased out of a job. You, you can see it. Being self-aware to me isn't the biggest issue. I just don't want Pop Douglas being phased out, being punished over one thing. Like, Yes, you make a mistake. I don't want it to come back and haunt you for weeks at a time or come back to haunt you for days at a time. Anything that gets in an athlete's head negatively, I don't think is a real good thing. I don't think is a real healthy thing. So yeah, maybe Pop Douglas is self-aware, but I still don't love to see it. So, um, but Chris is in the building every day. He's there more than I am, certainly. He says, that he thinks Pop Douglas has a good head on his shoulders, he's moving in the right direction, that's good. And maybe, like Ramondre Stevenson, like Hunter Henry said, something happened similar to him when he was younger, maybe he'll come out and be a great pro for 10 years because of it. But in the long term, that's great. But I'm also worried about the short-term Patriots who need a win and didn't get one in week two, maybe because this guy was put on the bench. I wouldn't have wanted to do it. I don't think I would have performed well. But Chris says maybe it's not as dire as I thought. Chris says that Mac Jones is still learning how to be a leader. I, I can accept that, but you're the quarterback and you're in year three. And you've talked about wanting to, you've talked about wanting to do all the right things. And that's what bothers me. Right? Chris says you can grow, you grow into who you are or you are who you are by the end of year three. So Mac still got a couple of months left in that. Fine. I can accept that premise too. But Mac Jones has talked about wanting to make these changes. When you talk about wanting to make changes and then you fail multiple times at the first signs of adversity, I'm starting to think that you're just not capable of getting it, right? Like, I think Mac Jones could be a good leader. I think Mac Jones could be a good teammate. I think he could be a guy who's good at rallying the troops. I think he can be a guy who organizes throwing sessions in the offseason. I believe all of that. I believe he's always going to be committed. But he's talked about wanting to be a better teammate. He's talked about wanting to be a guy who is a great leader, and great leaders don't go and cheap shot people below the belt. Great leaders don't call their teammates out publicly through the media, at least at this point, at least at this point. So, you know, again, don't love it. Ramondre Stevenson is an interesting case study as well, as as Chris and I talked about. He's He hasn't gotten going yet. I saw the stat. Chris referenced it. His yards after contact, .2 yards after contact. That's what he's averaging. right? Last year, Ramondre Stevenson was two yards after contact. right? He'd get hit, and he'd fall forward for two. Or he'd get hit, and he'd bounce off someone, and he'd get two. Now he gets hit, and he almost instantly goes down. In the NFL, a good offensive line will open you up an initial hole but your ability to take a hit and bounce off somebody is where the real great running backs excel, right? A good offensive line will give you the initial opening, your ability to burst through a hole. But if you want to turn a four-yard gain into a seven-yard gain and a seven-yard gain into a 12-yard gain, you've got to be able to take a hit and bounce off of somebody and to be able to fall forward, right? You can't get hit and immediately go down, and that's what Andre Stevenson has done so far. And that's unfortunate because this is a guy who is their best offensive player, we think. right? They felt confident enough to let Damian Harris go because they thought they had a guy who was a lead back who could really do a lot of the work on his own. Now, they did go and get Zeke, but they'd have to think that Ramondre Stevenson could do a lot of work on his own. And and I've always believed in a two-back system, but I've also believed in Ramondre Stevenson being the lead back in that two-back. I don't want... Ezekiel Elliott to have to run 16 times a game. Not at his age, not at his experience level. I like Zeke. I want him on this team as far as it comes through a football standpoint. But four carries, seven carries, good blocking, catching out of the backfield, that's where he's going to excel. Not 16 carries every game. Not pushing 20 carries every game. They need Ramondre Stevenson to get going. And I have to trust that he will as the line gets more continuity as As everything gets more comfortable with Phil O'Brien, I have to trust that he will. But I'd like to see it happen this week against Dallas. And it will be a tough matchup against the Cowboys in Week 4. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. We'll get you ready for the Red Sox. Yes, they're still playing against the Tampa Bay Rays tonight.